All right, if you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 19 and 20 tonight. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 19 and 20. of the message tonight is sneaky sins sneaky sins some sins aren't quite so sneaky they're kind of in your face but you got those sneaky sins in the previous verses last week we learned about sins of passion such as adultery and how the devil attempts to lure us uh, into committing the foulest sins by covering them up with fine linen remember that glossing that which is unacceptable over with something that's acceptable in our eyes. These following verses tonight are a continuation of this adulterous woman. There's, uh, If you have not been here on Wednesday, and I'm glad to see these folks here tonight who have not been uh, here on Wednesday, but uh, they wanted to come tonight. I'm very grateful for that. And uh, we've been looking at this adulterous woman trying to talk this young man into committing adultery with her while... Uh, Her husband's gone. And uh, these verses take a very different turn tonight. Because the adulterous woman tonight is moving from her attempt to justify her sin, which is what she did in the previous verses, and now her attempt to avoid the consequences of it. Okay? After telling the young man that she uh, would like for him to come to her home because she had covered her bed with tapestry, fine linen, and fragrances, as we saw last week. She now says that he should come over, verse 19, for the good man is not at home. The good man is not at home. Don't be confused by the word goodman. Uh, It's the same Hebrew word that's translated as the word man when speaking of Adam. Back in the book of Genesis. She said the man's not home. Is basically what she's saying. When Miss Tammy is speaking to someone in her family. uh, About me on the phone. A lot of times I'll overhear her speaking to them. And she'll refer to me using the word man. She'll say I have to fix the man something to eat. Or I'll get home from work. She'll say "Uh, my man just got home. I'll hear her saying that. And what a privilege it is for me to hear her tell others that I'm her man in such a respectable way. But how contemptible it would be for a woman to tell another man that it's okay for him to come over to her house because her man is gone. Which is what this woman is saying. This adulterous woman is saying we can have an affair tonight because the man of the house is gone. This is wrong on so many levels, it's hard to know where to start. (laughs) But we have to start somewhere. So let's just start by reminding ourselves and reminding us of how all this began. This all began by this woman telling this young man in verse 14 that she had peace offerings and had paid her vows to God. Remember that? It started off by her telling him in the next verses that her bed was decorated and covered 
in fine linen and anointed with perfumes. And now, after telling him uh, how everything about this adulterous affair was the right thing to do, basically, hey, God's for it, I've been praying about it, uh, the room looks nice, or whatever she tries to do to lure him in, after telling him how this affair was, was okay, it's the right thing to do, now she's assuring him that they're not going to get caught when they do it. The man's not home. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. If what you're doing is in the will of God, then you won't have to sneak around to do it. I'll repeat that again. If what you're doing is in the will of God, then you will not have to sneak around to do it. You won't have to hide your conduct. If you're not worried about God knowing about it, then why should you be worried about people knowing about it? If the reasons this woman gave, this young man, truly justified her sin, then she should have been comfortable giving those reasons to her husband. If you have to sneak around to do something, it's probably not something you ought to do. And that's a good principle to learn when we're looking here in Proverbs tonight. Because a lot of times we think, well, you know, I wonder if this is right. And sometimes we, we say, we well, you know, I'll, I'll pray about it. And I, I said the other day, if, uh, if the Bible says something, it's not time to pray about it. It's time to obey what the Bible says. And, uh, it, but a lot of times we think, well, is this the right thing to do? I'm really not sure. And we, we talk to God about it. And, and, uh, then, but we, we, we still know deep inside our heart there's something wrong about it, so we don't want anyone else to know. And we have to sneak around. So, uh, again, if it's something you have to sneak around to do, it's probably not something you ought to do. Do you remember when this young man went to this woman's home? Do you remember what time it was? Anyone remember what time he went to her house? Sir? Dark of night. Now that ought to tell you something right there. He went in the dark of night. Look back with me in verse 9. Verse 9. Solomon said he went, quote, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of night. The black and dark of night. Here's another kingdom truth for you. If you are walking in the night, then you're not walking in the light. <laughs> I mean, if you're ha again, if you're having to sneak around and no one, have no one else know what you're doing, then you're not walking in the light. Light exposes things. It doesn't cover things. What fellowship has light with darkness? Light doesn't cover things up. She said, the good man is not at home. He's not home. Look back in your text. He has gone a long journey. She's already told this young man that her husband was not at home. But by letting him know that he's gone on a long journey, that lets him know that her husband's going to be gone for many days. So there's no chance that we'll get caught at this. There's no chance that uh, if you just spend the night 
that anybody will ever know. Once again, if you're doing what's right, you don't have to worry about getting caught. If you're worried about getting caught doing something, don't do it. Don't do it. If you're having to worry about getting caught doing something, you're sneaking around to do it, then you're just like this young man. You're going in the twilight in the dark of night. That's no way to walk. Uh, If you're doing what's right, you don't have to worry about getting caught. In fact, I'd love to get caught doing right, wouldn't you? I mean, if if the goodman came home from his journey, and he pulled up, and this young man's out cutting his grass and trimming his hedges... That, he's going to be pretty happy with it. But now if he comes home and finds him in bed with his wife, he might, he might shoot the guy. Or back then take a sword to him or something. But uh, I, I don't mind getting caught doing right. You know, someone came in, come in catching me doing something good, they're going to be proud of me. Once again, let's... Take a look at the psyche of the sinner. That's what these scriptures do. They let us look into the psyche of the sinner. Hear how this woman's thinking. Hear how this sinner is, is planning her strategy out. and What's going on in her head. She's calculating it all out. And she's giving her uh, 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 accomplice the assurance that there's no way they can get caught. He's going to be gone for a long time. Nobody will ever find out. So here's what she's doing. Last week, she had covered her bed with tapestry, with cinnamon, with aloe, with all kinds of nice spices, and with the fine linen of Egypt. Remember? So last week, her bed is covered. They will have no shame. This week... Her man is gone. They will bear no consequences. That's the two things she's strategizing out. I don't want the shame. I don't want the consequences to my sin. If a person, and Brother Shepherd, I I know, remembers this. Brother Shepherd was an expert um, uh, interviewer. He did that for a living uh, for the DPS as a polygraph examiner. And there's one thing you learn when you're interviewing somebody, when you're interviewing a criminal. If you want a confession, you've got to do two things. You've got to rationalize and minimize. Isn't that right, Brother Shepherd? Rationalize and minimize. Because if, you, if, if when you're talking to someone about a crime they committed, you rationalize that crime with them. I can see, Brother Neil, we're in your position you would have done that. Now suddenly that makes you feel good about telling me you did it, see? I rationalize it. If I can give him a way out so he doesn't feel shameful, doesn't feel so bad, he feels good about telling me. Not only do I rationalize it, I minimize it. I make it sound like it's not so explosively big of a deal. I make it make sense, and then I make it small, and then he makes it known. That's the strategy when you interview a criminal. And there's other things. But watch what she's doing here. Watch what she's doing here. She's rationalizing it. Well, yeah, we're going to be committing adultery in the bed. But I mean, I've, 
I've got all kinds of the bed smells good. I've got nice linen on it. It looks good. I've got tapestry on it. I mean, everything's really, really nice. Rationalizing. Making it to where that she has no shame. I've brought peace offerings. I've paid my vows to God. See, rationalizing it. This is okay. And now what's she doing? She's going to minimize it down. And she's going to say, you know what? Not only have I got all this done right here. And this will be okay for us to do. The good man's not going to be home. There's going to be no consequences. Everything. This is no big deal. Everything's okay. And so she can avoid her shame. And now she can avoid her consequences. And you know what? Sin will do just the opposite. Do you remember Adam and Eve? I mean the devil. What did he do? He rationalized it. Well the day you eat thereof you'll be as gods. Well this is a good thing. You'll be as gods knowing good and evil. I mean that's a good thing. And then you minimize it. Thou shalt not surely die. There'll be no shame. You'll be like God. There'll be no consequences. You won't die. The same thinking in the Garden of Eden. That same devilish thought process is being applied to her. And it's applied when we try to cook up some way of making ourselves feel good about the ungodly decisions that we make in some way that we're going to skate on the consequences. But what happened after Adam and Eve ate that fruit? Shame. We start off. And they were naked and they were not ashamed. We end up, now they're ashamed. And now there are consequences. And now all of man must die. And so she's trying to get this young man to buy into the lie that Satan got our parents to buy into. And that she bought into. She was deceiving and being deceived. That's what sin advertises, but sin's a lie. Speaking of her husband, she tells this young man, if you look back in verse 20, he had taken a bag of money with him. He had taken a bag of money with him. Why would Solomon throw that in there? Why do we need to know about their financial business? Her husband is apparently away on a business trip. He's taken a bag of money with him. He's taken his checkbook with him. He's taken his, uh, uh, you know, credit card with him or whatever. But he's, he's got a bag of money. He's got some financial matters that apparently he has to attend to in another town. So we'll have the whole house to ourselves. He's going to be busy. And what we are seeing here is a complete lack of appreciation on this woman's part unthankfulness. Do you remember in the previous verses how she told this young man that she had put tapestry of carved works, fine linen, and precious spices on her bed? Well, all the ladies in here can tell you that tapestry, fine linen, and precious spices don't come cheap, right? (laughs) They don't come cheap. We're not talking about some cheap bed, bath, and beyond stuff with artificial coloring and stuff in there. We're talking about fine quality, high dollar goods. If you'll notice, a bag of money, 
fine linen from Egypt, tapestry, precious spices on her bed. This woman was a well-kept woman. She was well provided for. Her husband was an excellent provider for her. He made sure that she had everything she needed and the finest things available. If you saw this woman today, she'd probably be a whole lot like Becky Shepherd. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Brother Shepherd's too cheap for that. But she'd, she'd be. <laughs> this woman would be living in an upscale home. She'd been driving a, a new BMW. And she'd be going to the nail salon all the time. My husband left town with a bag of money, she said. As if money to her came easy. No big deal. But you know what? That money didn't come easy to her husband, did it? While she was having a, a good time at home flirting with other men and spending the money on her bedroom, her husband was having to leave home to make sure that money kept coming in. I told my wife the other day that there was no way I could do all the things that I do uh, without her. I just could not do it. The, the, the schedule that I keep today and the things that I cram in in a day, there's no way I could do it. Uh, her, her incredible support as my wife enables me to fulfill what God's called me to do. She, I don't have to think about it. All of my food is always cooked and prepped and done. My ironing is done and hung up. I don't have to think about it. All I have to do is just go do what I'm supposed to do. And all the stuff's done. She cooks my meals. She washes my clothes. She runs my errands. She helps me any way I can. Not only does she take her job as a wife seriously. But she has the wisdom to know. That I can take best care of her. If she's taking care of me. You see. There, there's a mutual give and take there isn't it. If, if I break down. Because I'm not taken care of. I'm not there to take care of her. And she has the wisdom to understand that. My wife is thankful that God provides for her through me as his instrument. But an ungodly woman is like this adulterous woman that we're reading about tonight. She doesn't consider her husband's labor. Oh, he's gone on a, with a bag of money. He's gone on a business trip. Come on over, we'll have a good time. She doesn't consider her husband's labor. She doesn't consider the stress of business that he has to endure. She doesn't appreciate what he does for her. Here's a kingdom truth. A faithful provider deserves a faithful helper. A faithful provider deserves a faithful helper. While we're on the subject... A faithful helper deserves a faithful provider. <laughs> it goes both ways. And if you can read this story in Proverbs tonight, and you can feel sorry for this poor husband. How many of y'all listening to this story, you think, that hey, poor guy. How many of y'all, you know, you think that, well, that poor guy. If in your heart you can shake your head in disgust at the ingratitude of this godless woman, this whorish woman, then I want you to realize that too many times we are the woman in this proverb.
I want you to see how this proverb goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about in the book of Hosea on Sunday mornings. When God called Israel an adulterous woman. Same thing we're talking about here, an adulterous woman. That's what Israel was called. A wife who had been unfaithful to Him. Anytime we are unfaithful to our Creator, unfaithful to our God, unfaithful to our loving Provider, we are the woman playing the harlot on our husband. We are the ones taking God's provision for granted. And like this woman, we'll one day find out that unlike we thought, unlike we planned in our strategy, we did not get away with our sin. We got the shame and we bore the consequences She told this young man, my husband is away on a business trip. Look back in your text and will come home at the day appointed. Again, another parallel. Because Jesus said that he was like someone going off on a long journey. Coming back at a day when? Appointed. Jesus isn't just going to, you know, rise and shine and wake up like a man one day. So, you know, I think think I'll go back to earth now and go ahead and... Take the church back to me. It doesn't work like that. The Father knows the day and the hour that the Son of Man is going to come. He is gone on a long trip. He's going to come back at the day appointed. But she's telling him, oh, don't don't worry. He's he's not going to come back for a while. He, He won't be back for another two weeks, two months, or however long it is. We'll never get caught. We can live it up and make it right in plenty of time. Before my husband gets back. That's the lie that every criminal believes before they commit their crime. That's the lie that every God-hating rebel believes when they spend their lives in vanity here on earth. That's the lie that so-called Christians believe that Jesus described when they said, My master tarries. And then while the master tarries, they beat the servants, they do all these other things that they're not supposed to do, and then the master comes back and he puts it to them, and they get punished. Like this woman, our husband is coming home on the day appointed. But when he comes, he's not going to come in ignorance. He's not going to come not knowing what we've done. Our goodman sees it all records it all and will judge it all he's not going to come back in ignorance he's going to come back in judgment he'll hold every person accountable for what they've done and the bride of Christ will be his faithful bride who believed and served only him as her one true savior and God the rest the unfaithful the unbelieving the unprofitable the abominable all the ones that were uh, announced in the scriptures in the book of the Revelation, they'll be cast in the lake of fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. With that, I hope you've taken away a lot of good truths tonight from our scriptures and made application both spiritually as well as uh, earthly here with our earthly uh, spouse as well. Brother Shepherd, you didn't have a poem, did you? I saw you taking notes. I was just curious. All right. We'll go ahead and close in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you've done, Lord. God, I pray, Father, first of all, that all of our ladies and all of our men will be the faithful spouses that we're supposed to be to the mates that you've provided for us. Help us to apply what we've learned in our marriage. Help us, Father, to apply what we've learned, dear Lord God, in the mindset, Lord, of not trying to avoid the shame and avoid the consequences of sin, as this woman did, but to avoid the sin. And Father, uh, I pray also that we'll apply it spiritually to our lives. That, Lord, the true spouse that we're to be faithful to, ultimately, is to you. Our groom, who's coming back for his bride, the church, one day. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you. And when you return, Father, we'll uh, be able to stand before you with joy as we give account. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.